Welcome to Meet the iPhone Photographer at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our host for this evening, Dan Rubin. Thank you very much. Thanks everyone for coming out again to this month's event. Um, just a couple of quick housekeeping notes. If you happen to take any pictures uh, without a flash uh, during tonight's event uh, and you post them anywhere, use the ridiculously long uh, hashtag meet the iPhone photographer. That barely leaves any room for a tweet, but um, that's how it goes. Also, uh, we're keeping a calendar and uh, kind of comments and, and anything else that happens to go out around this on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash meet the iPhone photographer. So if you want to know when the next events are ahead of when they're publicized on the Apple website, just uh, go there and check them out. And uh, with that, let's get on to tonight's guest. Um, his name is Emmanuel Cole. Uh, he's this guy here. It's hard to miss. Um, he's uh, he's just he's he's tall for one, but he's also one of the uh, uh, one of the most photographed uh, people on Instagram in London. I think um, last month's guest Adrian Pitts created a hashtag even Emmanuel for days, <laughs> and it's talking about Emmanuel <laughs> Cole. Uh, look that hashtag up; it's a lot of fun. Uh, I met Emmanuel. Um, well, it was last year after I'd moved to the UK, and I met him through Instagram. This is one of the fantastic things about shooting with, uh, with an iPhone is uh, that most of that ties into Instagram in some way, and that means community. Um, so uh, uh, the nice thing, though, about Emmanuel for me, the unique thing about all the guests in this first six months of this uh, series, is that Emmanuel's the only one who was not a photographer in any way. Had, uh, before shooting with an iPhone. Uh, and if you look at his images, it's really hard to, to kind of wrap your head around that. He's, he's clearly someone who should have been shooting a lot longer, and he's so incredibly talented. I'm really, really happy to have him here. Uh, please give him a little quick round of applause. <laughs> so, as I said, we met last year, but um, now, Emmanuel, you've been shooting for uh, three years or so, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. And um, did you just did you pick up an iPhone and start shooting with Instagram? Was it Instagram that you got it into it because of, or how did that actually come about? I basically I got into taking pictures of my phone through where I first began working. Uh, I worked in a company, the door-to-door -door charity fundraiser. Uh, and through working in that company, I guess I was kind of exposed to like life and being out in a wider world, especially the job required you to be all you know out and around and about London. Uh, but at the same time, I met somebody who's actually here today who uh, was very very engaged with like using his phone, uh, you know, taking pictures of anything we found on the way while we're working. And I kind of thought to myself, maybe I should kind of pay a bit more um, attention to what uh, this particular person was doing. I'm talking about uh, one of my friends here, Ivan, who's come all the way out um, from France just to be here today to come and see me do this talk. Uh, awesome. So thank you so much for being here. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, just through watching Ivan and the way he was just able to, you know, just, you know, with, you know, you the camera so well, the tool, the, f on the phone that's with you all the time, you know, just making images from that and, you know, it, it didn't take too long before I got my own iPhone and, you know, began my own kind of journey. And then months after, I got into Instagram. 
That's amazing. So, uh, I mean, it, if you if you check out Emmanuel's um, uh, Instagram profile, E. Cole Photo, uh, you'll see, I mean, it, uh, you don't have a, a small amount of followers on there <laughs> for someone who had never taken a picture really before um, four or three years ago. That's, it's, it's impressive, uh, especially because, um, I mean, I think you do a really great job of showing a side of London that not everyone shows. There are a lot of London photographers, obviously. Uh, it's a, a big city, and it's not something that's been photographed only since smartphones and Instagram. Um, but uh, one of the things that has always sh struck me about your images, because I was following you before I actually met you, um, because they were they're just they're striking shots, and um, they're the kind of things that you only capture, I think, when you're when you're traveling around certain places all the time. Just they are you are shooting your daily commute most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. Like I said, um, you know, with the way it all started um, through work and that the job that I did, um, allowing me to travel the whole of the UK, which for me was quite unusual. Uh, you know, because I'm born and raised in East London. I, you know, until I, I, I you are you from East London? Yeah, I never would so. have guessed. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's kind of strange because I, I didn't really leave East London until I reached the, at the age of 20, like properly. You know, and it's kind of weird. Uh, being, I don't know, friends of mine had, you know, 18, 19, had kind of gained that independence a bit earlier, uh, but coming from a strict African household, uh, I wasn't really um, that lucky until I began working and beginning that um, journey of my own. So, yeah, kind of bringing everything back to um, where it needs to be. Um, through, through that job, which allowed me to kind of get out and about, um, I then kind of integrated that to my photography and really, you know, started to explore uh, London and just, yeah, go from there. And you're shooting with, uh, you shoot a lot with your iPhone, I know that. Um, but what's also great is that uh, it's been a doorway for you to even more photography. Um, so you're, you shoot a mixture of iPhone and SLR now, uh, which is, that's something that's, that's a story that's really common that I keep hearing when I'm meeting people out in the community as well. Who they, they, were, they never picked up a camera until picking up you know, an iPhone, and, and usually that's tied into Instagram as well. And then because of that, they've discovered a love for t photography and a talent for it. And then they get into photography more on, and, and deeper. Um, and regardless of what it is that you've used to capture the images, I mean, you're, you're getting recognized by uh, and printed in various publications now. Street Dreams Mag just featured you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, yeah that was amazing. That was um, very recently, actually, yeah. And... Uh, uh, also, you were just in New York um, because of uh, having your work displayed at a gallery. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. I know, it's a <laughs> he's a humble guy, which is great, but <laughs> you don't have to be embarrassed. It happened. How, how did it happen? How did that come about? Oh, the Street Dreams thing? No, the, uh, the gallery. Um, yeah, so... Either, really. Yeah, cause, both um, cool. the whole gallery was um, a thing that uh, the magazine Street Dreams Mag decided to do uh, for their third issue. And um, I, I don't even know, you know, like, I, you know, I've used the hashtag a few times. Uh, I became good friends with, you know, one of the main editors from the magazine. And um, I guess for people in that side, from that side of the world, America, it's just not everyone's made it to the UK. And it's likewise for people in the UK, you know, not many people have made it to that side of the world. Um, so when they were able to kind of see London through me, the way I portray uh, London, and yeah, all of the fog and stuff, <laughs> they kind of thought, yeah, maybe 
it, there was a market for it or something like that, I guess. So yeah, it was it was nice. It's it's impressive. Uh, three years from never taking a picture to having your work displayed in New York. I yeah. hate you. <laughs> um, no, it's it's this is this is why Emmanuel's here. So uh, we're going to talk. Uh, well, Emmanuel's going to talk a little bit about some some of the types of photos that he's really kind of known for, and then some of the specific stories. Um, if you haven't seen this before, the format is basically uh, a little about the photographer, a little about the photos, uh, some of his favorite photos, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit later about uh, his editing process and his workflow and some of the apps that he used, and you'll actually be able to see Emmanuel dig into that a little bit. Um, I think it's important to show all those different sides, uh, because for all of you sitting out there, uh, all of you have a story. All of your favorite photos have a story behind them, and those all of those have very little to do with what you used to shoot them or how did how you edited them. Those are that's another story, another aspect. If we don't tell all of those, we don't really get the whole picture. So, um, yeah, your your images to me are always they've all always been very striking in in their use of light uh, and and also kind of compositional elements. Um, and uh, we'll get to the my favorite compositional element uh, later, uh, but let's start with with uh, how you play with light here. I mean, you guys can see here on the the monitors. Um, Emmanuel has a great eye for for little pieces of light, uh, and especially how they interact with with people, which is is great. We've got London as the backdrop. Um, everything in 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 some way is a portrait, even if it's a portrait from a distance, which I love. Um, there's life to to your images, and then there's there's this this wonderful contrast. These kind of high contrast images, which don't feel stark and high contrast. Um, uh, I don't know. There's I can look at your images for for days and keep finding other little things that pop out from them. Um, I don't know. I, what is it about about this type of light that that attracts you to it because you clearly you see it very naturally it's not like you've got years and years and years of experience and training behind you to identify this this calls out to you in some way the thing is um <coughs> i don't i don't always i don't believe that it was a natural thing you know um being able to take pictures of light like that because I I'd never had a, an artistic background um, before photography. I, I I was pretty much into sports and stuff. So to be able to kind of like just all I, I mean, what I managed to do was kind of channel that drive that I had for athletics and sports, and just kind of really put it into my new focus, which is this, and and that involved you know a lot of taking pictures alone, you know, walking around London, uh, discovering certain streets that I never knew existed. Um, and you know, when you spend a lot of time walking around, eventually you find things. And at, at the time when I when I used to see um, light just kind of falling over in the streets of, of central London in certain ways, I'd, I wouldn't look at it twice. Um, but bit by bit, as I you know maybe started looking at more images on Instagram from people that inspired me, um, and you know, kind of really. I guess improved at what I was doing, then I was able to start to make sense um, and you know, kind of consistently achieve this look that I was trying to get, which is, yeah, really, really messing with um, harsh light. You know, the last hour of light that you get in the day, um, I started to realize that that was how I was going to achieve, you know, just really under underexposing my iPhone images because 
it's now something that I really do a lot in my SLR because everything I learned from my phone, I've kind of trans, um, you know, really added it into how I use um, the digital SLR. But yeah, um, I, have, I have no idea how I kind of really took a fascination to harsh light. I, I don't know how it began. Uh, I think I think a lot of the time subject matter is just a thing that speaks to you in some way. Doesn't doesn't really pay to try and figure out why it speaks to you. As long as you, it's something that you feel compelled to shoot, um, and clearly you do. Uh, so now, usually all the photos that we talk about in the in, in this series uh, until we get to the the editing demo are are images that have been edited and finished it. But uh, y you felt this one had. Uh, had a story behind it you wanted to share, and you're going to actually show the edit, but you haven't edited it yet. So you get to see, you get to stare for a few minutes at an unedited shot while Emmanuel talks about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tell us the story about this one, because I, I, I think, especially since we're looking at an image that's just kind of in its raw state, it shows the elements that actually spoke to you without you haven't messed with it yet. This no, is just, no. this is a story in itself before you start explaining it. Yeah, um, I mean, with this particular image, ugh, I hate showing it images that are not edited <laughs> sometimes, but yeah. Everyone does, don't worry. <laughs> with this particular image, um, I was with a friend, I'm not sure if she's here, Holly, and um, we were basically, I, I was doing some, um, me and her were doing some, a job or something around the East London area, and I mentioned earlier about, you know, the last light that you get in the last hour of the day and how I kind of, you know, I've become quite obsessed with, kind of chasing that light uh, but this um, on this day we managed to just be uh, what we were doing was we were traveling on a DLR naturally the DLR kind of gets to its stops people jump on people jump off um, and I don't know why I just decided to kind of lean out and look out the window because the light just seemed pretty intense and I have this thing for kind of one character I like to have one person in an image um, but then at the same time I didn't really have that light falling on the subject uh, the way I'd normally like it to happen but it was you know it was everywhere the light was kind of coming off the side of the um, platform of the chair the, re the reflection of everything happening as well um, and I just thought yeah I, you know this is this is kind of this is um you know bearing in mind this is the um, the time where I've really now made my SLR my main camera uh, it just shows how the um the iPhone is still a very very important tool for me because I could never have reacted that fast enough to pull out my camera, get my settings right, and make that happen. Uh, but because you know, it was just you know, I had the phone, they would just point it out and get that shot. Um, and in terms of like with editing it, it's there's not much that I do apart from I don't know. Should I say now? No, we'll we'll look at that <laughs> later, which is something I like too. I mean, that's one of the one of the other things that I love about Emmanuel's work is that it isn't heavily edited. He relies very very much on light and subject matter to be doing the right things and that requires shooting at the right time of day being in the right situation a lot of the time um and that's a great constraint i think i mean that it means you don't have to edit it much you can't there's there are a lot of effects that you you might see i mean i, I say effects but they're basically in camera effects things that you'll capture and you or, or you'll see in other images and you might think oh i wonder how they edited it to look like that and most of the time it's just really good light. You can't replace really good light. Without light, photography is nothing. You can't take a picture in a darkened room or when it's completely black. Uh, so light is, is everything. Having that allows you to do amazing things. Um, and this one, this one, we also have a little bit of a, uh, a shooting story behind it, which I love. This is uh, New York. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
this, I don't know, I love this image so much. Um, <laughs> this particular image uh, was on my first maybe two hours in New York. Uh, and this is when I went three months ago for the first time ever. And um, I've, I've seen loads of, you know, once you're on Instagram, uh, I don't know if, if it's the same for everyone, but I find people from, that, um, from New York like highly influential. Um, it's an amazing city. And just being able to kind of see how people can take pictures of New York is, is amazing, you know, it's amazing for me. So I thought if I, once I get there, I have to do what everyone probably wants to do, which is get a picture of a New York cab. But I'd seen so many that I just really wanted to make it original, you know, not, not like an image that I've seen before. Luckily, um, for me, I, you know, through walking around in those first few hours, uh, it was really hot. They, um, the light was out. The buildings in New York are like massive, so the harsh light that I love chasing in London is like five or ten times easier to do there. <laughs> it's everywhere, um, and yeah, I found that that road sign that said fire. I saw the light had, had fallen right beside it, and um, I think I just recently had got the iPhone around or 5s around this time, uh, so I I then had that component on the iPhone 5s which I never had on my 4s, which is burst mode, the burst shooting. Uh, which allowed you to really rapidly shoot fast and capture um, movement very quickly. Um, and yeah, just as that cab was going by, I managed to just catch the right part of it, I guess. Yeah, we actually have, um, so this is one of the, the burst sequence. Yeah, so that's the, I don't know, I think I probably took about 15 images, but once when you do burst mode, I guess after people sometimes go in and select which images they want, um, and for me, I'm always struggling with memory on my phone, so I try not to select too many. I always, I'm very specific. But on this occasion, I, I selected two out of maybe 15 images because although I've never really done anything with this particular image, the fact that the light had fallen right on where the hand of the cab driver was is just kind of crazy for me. Uh, I don't know, don't know why I haven't done anything with that. But the second image kind of resonated a bit um, better with, for me personally. Um, yeah. So again, burst mode uh, captures 10 frames per second. Uh, so 15. You were just you weren't really holding down the button for that long. Mm, nah, it was nah. just long enough for you to get what you hoped well, was yeah. some material. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've I've actually found that really useful for a lot of street photography, um, where you just you you don't know necessarily what the exact right moment might be. You could just kind of grab a few it's a little it's cheating uh cartier-bresson's decisive moment a little bit yeah. it's kind of a decisive moment and a bit uh but if your goal is to get the image um why not use what the use what the camera allows you to do uh i bet i, I i'm kind of curious if cartier-bresson could shoot 10 frames per second if he would have i have a feeling he might have <laughs> pity we can't ask him um yeah and then again the the edited version uh um yeah no I, again you you managed to nail the same kind of tones the same kind of light that you do in london which is great thank you thank you um so keeping this theme of light and moving into london um fog is something your feed is known for <laughs> i think um there's some absolutely amazing uh light that you managed to capture. I mean, fog is something that you just can't, the, the way it bends and twists light and all the subjects, it just makes everything like f soft and gives depth is, you can't, you can't fake that really. You could spend hours and hours in Photoshop and it still wouldn't look right. No. Um, no. Yeah, w so what is it about, uh, what is it about fog for you? I'm, 
obviously it's an early morning thing for the most part. But uh, these images as well, I think you, you told me they were most of these ones were just kind of going to flip through here. We're all shot on the same all day. shot on the same day. Yeah, it was all the same day. Um, I don't know. I think earlier I mentioned kind of like um, walking around on the streets for long times alone and looking for that light. And I I used to I do that a lot. You know, like four if not five times a week. You know, I'll go out for a stroll and take some pictures. Um, but one night randomly one morning woke up and there was fog it just kind of changed everything you know because it then kind of felt like I was walking around in some sort of movie or I don't know it just felt so surreal you know walking around in thick fog and not really being able to see somebody until maybe they were within two arms in front of you it's it's crazy I could I could run around in it forever um but um on this particular day uh where I was I've taken these pictures. Um, you can see at first they start off in um, kind of like a field area, which is um, not far from where I live. Luckily, I found out about it because of a friend that um, that's here again. Uh, he knew of kind of how excited I am to kind of just get out there and chase fog. So he kind of pointed out this um, location, which is nearby. Um, so on this particular day, I ended up um, going to the nearby the area, which is ne the, f the field, which is near where I live, because I just don't know how fog works, and I don't know how long it's going to take before it's gone. So you know, I'd love to catch a train to central London and take pictures of the shard and fog, but I ain't going to take that risk of getting to central London and <laughs> there being no fog. So I always tend to, s at this particular morning, I tend to start, I started off um, right where I live. Uh, and then after I kind of felt brave enough to believe that there was still going to be some remaining fog in central London, yeah. uh, I headed into well, and central you were London. Well, you were able to get some pretty fantastic uh, shots. I mean, this is one of my, this has been one of my favorites of yours. Thank you. Since I saw it. Um, it still is. Every time I, I look at this, uh, there's just so much going on. Again, it's a street scene, which is always amazing because y you can't, you can't set it up. It's just, you're dealing with exactly what's there and the randomness of it, which I love. Um, but all the elements just work so well for me. Yeah, thank you. Um, again, like I said, yeah, this is the same day. And um, I don't know, if it wasn't for where I worked, uh, I, I can't say to you that I'd be in this position at this time. You know, it was just, I had work at maybe 9. I got up at 6.37 to take pictures of the fog. And I just kept shooting until I was pretty much like 10 to 15 minutes late that day. And <laughs> yeah, I got in trouble for that. But um it was worth it because I just couldn't, I couldn't leave this behind. I mean, I've walked past that particular part of Tower Bridge so many times, never seen that in my life. I mean, I remember coming down the stairs and turning left and seeing that and I was like, what? Like, everyone else is just walking past, like going to work as if this is normal. And I was like, yeah, I just had to do something. So, um, yeah, that's what happened there. It's, it's, uh, it's brilliant. Um, and then... So you you made it into central London with before yeah. the fog lifted, yeah. which was lucky. Yeah. Uh, now this is this is down in Moor London, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the last shot I took on that day. Now, I mean, I'd I'd probably been shooting in that fog for about an hour to an hour and a half, just running around Tower Bridge, going to the left side, to the right side, underneath, across the bridge, on the bridge. I was like, I was just running around in it for ages. Um, but I I was I, I was constantly checking my time, making sure you know I was cool to get to work on time because my work is literally four or five minute walk from that precise spot um, and that was a I was walking uh, by this point I think I decided I'm done shooting like it's time to go into work now uh, but as I w 
turned around and looked behind me. I, I was stood, I, I swear to you, I was stood right in this position with the curves going in and the curves coming from this side and the, you know, Boris Johnson's building there and the Tower of London in the back and I was just like, oh God, <laughs> I can't go to work yet. <laughs> um, but I'm lucky because that particular image, I mean, that one's on my iPhone, but the one that I have on my um, SLR is till now the best image I have, in my opinion. It, it gets the best responses from people. And um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't, I've never, I mean, I've never seen that place look like that till, till, till this day, so. Uh, I think it should, like this reaction is what I love about people who are captured by something. I mean, there's just, you can't switch that off now that, now that it's found you, you can't not do it, can you? No, no. That's amazing. It's my favorite part about uh, talking to photographers who are passionate about it, at least. Uh, so I, I mentioned earlier that there's this one compositional element that, that is my favorite of yours. Um, and it's, a, it's something you started. So this, the hashtag, Striding Through London, uh, was something that Emmanuel started. And it's kind of spread to a lot of different cities around the world, people picking up the same idea, which is a really cool thing to see. And again, that's, that's kind of the effect of, uh, of Instagram in a way and the, the, the way that it connects people everywhere. Um, but so this is kind of a mixture of, of both light and how li uh, uh, you know the the type of light that you try to to capture um but at the same time the the things that it seems you've learned by capturing what you see on your way to work and just as you go being used to to capturing whatever's happening it seems to have to have given you a pretty good insight uh, or at least an, an eye to what's about to happen which i love because uh, these these images and sometimes you have to look kind of closely to find the lone figure. But um, you can see it right in the distance, that shot on the left. Um, it's really kind of this very stark way of seeing a place, uh, a corner of a city. Uh, how did you start shooting these? If I was to say, like, this is my idea and I, you know, I plucked it out of somewhere, I'd be lying, you know, like, I thank Instagram for this again. Because um, when I got on the app, you know, you naturally start to discover and understand and learn what certain buttons would do and what, you know, and I, I eventually started to land on a few people's um, pages who were doing quite similar things, you know, capturing maybe not just one person, but you know, the focus was of an individual um, caught in their stride. And um, I don't know, I, I just realized that I enjoyed shooting London at a time where London didn't look like London, you know, early Sunday mornings when no one was really around. Uh, and just by kind of having that one figure in it, uh, just created this 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 feel of, um, I don't know, it's almost like cinema, cinema-like, you know? And um, I don't know how many times I can sit up here and say Instagram, but like, Instagram, Instagram. Um, Instagram, like literally, when I when I started um, putting pictures of let's say a tunnel of London Underground and they would get like some people would comment and you know you'd get that response you'd think okay that's nice uh, but when you could really I don't know take a picture and manage to almost get another emotion from a person you can tell that that person's connected from the image therefore when they kind of give you a comment it's it's a real comment you can see that kind of spurred me on to keep going um, and just keep running with this idea of, you know, pursuing this lone person in their stride. But, you know, in all different types of um, compositions. So at first it'd just be a person, me, stood directly opposite them, them walking past a wall, 
you know, that simple. Uh, and then I tried to elevate, get new levels, new perspectives, um, different conditions, you know, like the image on the right where it's just finished raining and the image on the left, it's just finished raining. The streets just having that really glossy feel. And yeah, it just became, it just, it just became my way of just kind of bringing emotion to images, you know, rather than the image just being a plain, boring image. You know, it's something that makes a big difference to a cityscape, I think. Um, now, uh, this one, I love, I love the story behind this because I was, I was standing next to you when you shot it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously we went to Paris for um, just about 24 hours with Jeff. So really uh, quick project yeah, earlier in the month. Yeah. Very early in the year, rather. Mm, it was nice. Um, but again, being in another country made me think, oh, why not, you know, do a stride in through Paris? Uh, so when we were uh, waiting at the airport or the Eurostar thingy, Majiggy, Bobby, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, decide, I, I decided to just kind of hang by the window. You know, it was very high perspective. Well, not very high, but, you know, a, a, new, a nice perspective. Um, I saw the patterns of the windows, um, and that kind of made me go for the shot, even though I probably wouldn't necessarily because I don't, I'm not really a fan of the whole, you know, face on to the wall shot anymore. But then, you know, a lot of people walk by and this particular guy actually was, um, he looked like he had something wrong with his left foot. Um, but, you know, I decided to, once he walked by, I burst shooted and as I looked through the sequence, um, the stride just looked a bit off. You know, it didn't look like a normal stride. And yeah, I, it instantly made me think like, you know, it's a shot that I have to put up or it's one that's definitely like gonna go into the the, the catalog of images of a striding through because it's just not a stride. I mean, I guess without me telling the story, you'd never know why that guy is tilted in that sort of a way. So yeah, it just makes the person question the image and that's kind of what I want to get sometimes. Well, for me, especially because it's a straight on shot, yeah. Like the 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 slightly awkward tilt of uh, of the man is kind of even more set off against it. Um, yeah, again, just kind of a wonderfully chosen moment. Thank you. Um, and then again, the same morning. <laughs> same morning, right? Yeah, that that foggy morning. So just because you have a load of foggy images on your feed, they're all from one day, aren't they? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Fog for days. I right? know. I, I, that's why I love Instagram. You know, you can just create your own dream. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, there might not be much to tell because we already heard the story about this morning. But, um, yeah. I mean, how, yeah. Long, how long do you have to wait to get uh, someone on this morning? Obviously, you were on your way to work. So this yeah. was not like a quiet Sunday morning. I mean, to be honest... Prior to me being in this position, which is eventually where I left to go to work, I was somewhere else. I was, I was by West, Westminster Bridge. I think that the image of Westminster Bridge and what I was doing there, that's going to come up, so I won't really go into it. But when you're running around in fog, I don't know, me, me, me as well, I just get way too excited. And it probably took about half an hour before I managed to compose myself and actually start to take decent pictures because... Otherwise, I was I don't know, uh, yeah I was just pointing the camera everywhere. I was a bit too <laughs> I was a bit too excited, um, but yeah, I think at this particular moment, I honestly sat down um, just for a second because the excitement had gotten um, gotten the best of me, uh, and you know being sat. If you can imagine me just a bit more of a lower perspective where I was there and just watching people walking by and looking up at Tower Bridge in the fog, I, I instantly thought, oh god, this is this is definitely going to be like a striding through London thing. Um, and yeah, managed to catch this guy. 
It's amazing stride too. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. Um, as I said, we're gonna uh, get to see a little bit of the behind the scenes of how Emmanuel does his thing after he's shot. Uh, and again, if, with with the um, the previous events in the series, kind of we've seen everyone has like a five, six, maybe seven different apps that maybe they don't use all the time, but but sometimes use in sequence or depending on the image. What I um, what I love especially about Emmanuel is again, like I said earlier, it is edit is very simple. So the requirements on the number of apps is also very simple. Uh, Emmanuel, you rely on on the light, on the the subject matter to a great extent, which I love. Uh, it doesn't mean that you don't use the apps to their full effect, though, which is why I'm kind of really interested. Um, uh, and uh, uh, just so you get a chance to. Like these are the ones that Emmanuel is going to be talking about. We got uh, Viscocam, uh, Snapseed, and Touch Retouch. So if you want to go kind of look for them later, just now would be a good time to take a quick snap of the screen. Um, and uh, we'll also have some time for uh, some questions after we're done. But you've got some images that you want to kind of work us through. So I think now would yeah. be a great time to get into that. So we're in. Uh, okay. Cool. We're in Visco now. Visco okay. Cam. Um, okay. So with this image, um, I kind of explained how I took it and everything. Um, but um, in terms of editing the image, like I just when 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 it when it comes to editing, you know, because I've spent a lot of time, you know, it, it, three years. I don't know if you classify it as a long time, but in those three years, like I've put a lot of time on a daily basis into kind of like taking pictures and stuff. Uh, and initially I did use a ton of apps, like loads. But now I kind of try to restrict myself to only really shooting in good conditions rather than, you know, just going out at any random time of the day. So with this um, particular image, um, maybe two apps, but I think it was only one. And what I really, what I wanted to achieve was just to bring out more of a, um, just to boost the saturation and the light that is um, bouncing into the reflection of the DLR off the side of the chair on the floor. Um, so uh, you could, I mean, if for those that use VSO, uh, you'd probably notice that your VSO is not, you, you know, your toolbar at the bottom is not laid out like mine is uh, because you can customize, I'm pretty sure most people know, you can customize your um, toolbar to kind of just the way you want it, really. So I've, I've, if you just have a quick look, I've cut out a lot of stuff uh, because with VSO, there's so many filters, um, and I realize that you know, with how excited I am as a person, it's, it's, it's no good having that many filters <laughs> to my disposal. Um, so yeah, um, with this particular um, picture, I probably went for. I'd go for something like, you know, in the E series, because e, the E series works very well with light. Um, the E is, you know, it's all about, it, it helps to bring out the oranges, um, the reds, the yellows um, in your image, though. It's just a question of what extra color, you know, the vignette in which it gives around the edge that you want. I mean, E1 gives your image a bit of a blue vignette. E2 gives it a bit of a, you know, a different color, um, likewise. But again, with this image, uh, before I apply any filter, what I wanted to do first was just to test uh, and see how real like I could make um, the, c the colors um, from the light. So I always go towards kind of either boosting saturation or the temperature. Um, and you can, st see, you can see already, you know, just by pointing out one, 
Uh, by me pressing the screen, you can see the before and after. Uh, you can see it already had a bit more of an effect, but um, I normally go. F I just, you know, I normally just give it a little bit of a check just to see what it looks like uh, come out of it. Sorry, I'm, I'm in. I'm so all, you I'm can't going quite. You can't see uh, when when Emmanuel's pressing the screen, but um, uh, in Visco Cam, if you haven't seen this before, like when you press down and hold on the image, well, you can you could just do it. That's yeah. So when when you press and hold on the image, it does uh, it shows you the before and after as you're holding it down. You see the before, and uh, it's a really neat way to kind of see how far you've come from the original and whether you maybe have done too much or too little or it's not exactly the direction you had in mind at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, con I always do, I constantly do that throughout the editing process because, um, you know, I, I'm not sure how many times I've said on this stage that I get quite excited. Um, <laughs> but I get quite excited. So, you know, this is I don't something also that uh, <laughs> I don't uh, want to take it too far um, by, yeah. you know, just really going crazy um, so I've decided with this one I'm going to settle uh, for E2 yeah so I'll work with E2 um, bring down the filter a little bit maybe to like 7 the light's already looking kind of radiant um, I then go to temperature I'll probably boost the temperature by 2 just because I do want to make it a little bit surreal no, but I feel like this is what I saw at the time. Um, and then, you know, just because um, the image might need to be a little bit sharper, I'd probably boost the sharpening to one or two. I never go more than that. Um, and if I'm being honest, that's it. It's done. Uh, and then you can kind of see the before and after by me holding the screen. That's what it looked like before. That's the after. So very much relying on the... You know, the elements that were there when you shot it, yeah, and trying to get—it sounds like you're trying to get back to the feeling that resonated with you when you took when it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, even though you know you acknowledge it's a little surreal, it's still maybe it felt surreal in the moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm very sure this is what it looked like when I saw yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, okay, so yeah, that's let's that take one. A, uh, I really want to see that. Um, that shot you mentioned about Westminster Bridge. Oh, right, right. Because I know we get some touch-retouch action going on in there. Yeah. Uh, and that's still one of my favorite magic apps that if people haven't seen it before, they usually utter some sort of expletive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, with this particular image, it's this image is actually from the same um, foggy morning where I started off um, in the park near where I lived and then after I um, shot actually this day was this day was so intense that I started off in the park where I lived went to Canary Wharf came to Westminster went to Tower Bridge and then went to work late yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, the reason I went from so I started off in my um, area the fog was good decided to take the risk to go to Canary Wharf the fog was even better there decided to take the risk and come here um, when I got to um, Westminster, I actually came via Waterloo Station. So if you know the area quite well, you know that Waterloo is behind mm -hmm. this image. Uh, and once I kind of got onto Westminster Bridge from Waterloo and saw that there was no fog on Big Ben, I, I just couldn't process in my head what was going wrong. I was like, I've, I've rode the train all the way from Canary Wharf to be here with you, Big Ben, and there's no fog. Like, I almost had to, like, I had to literally walk right up to the um, big, to Big Ben itself just to believe that there was no fog there. 
after I saw there was no fog, I turned around uh, and, you know, there was a bit of action going on on the street. Um, and I noticed this one jogger um, making his way from the other side of the road uh, over to my side. And at this time, the camera was in my hand and not the phone. Um, but I, again, like, this is the early days and I, I, I was not confident with my um, shooting with my camera. I could not let, like, an opportunity like this go by. So I quickly grabbed my phone, brought it out, burst mode, shot the whole sequence from him literally running all the way past me. And then went back to it and um, decided to pick which one looked best, which is kind of this one with him floating um, in the air. Now the original image is looks a little like uh, this, so you can kind of see um, yeah. that there are people here. Okay, so if you look to like the left side of the image, you can see people on the other side of the bridge. <coughs> um, I'm pretty sure they're the only people I removed. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I just kind of felt like those people were a little bit distracting um, of the from in the image. You know, it didn't really give the image the feel that I wanted. I wanted to create some sort of a cinematic feel. Uh, one person running through the road by himself. Um, and yeah, I just didn't feel like those people were required. So that's when the other app that I use came comes into play called uh, Touch Retouch. So I'm going to see if I can kind of give a quick demonstration. If I'm being honest, like it's not an app I use much. It's just a nice app to have um, because you know there will sometimes come situations and where it's required. And so it's one of those handful of apps that does one thing, but it, and it does it really well. You don't yeah. need it all the time, but yeah. when you need it, it's the it's almost the only one to go to. Yeah, it's good. And I mean, there's some there's some pictures that really that are very hard to achieve the look that you're looking for. You know, can take a little bit of time. Um, but with this one, I can't, it's been a long time, you know, and I've, I've edited a lot of images before the, I mean, in the time that since I've taken this, so I can't remember how difficult it was to take <laughs> those people out, but, um, I feel like it might not have been that difficult. <laughs> so boom, that one's gone. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do your yeah, one, that's, one, that's one, one more. That's the touch, touch reaction. Uh, uh, do you one by one. Bow. You're gone. Uh, and sometimes we might get lucky in it and, and it'll it'll do one of its weird funky things. Yeah, it, it looks like it will happen here because this guy is standing very close to that lamppost. So if if you're not careful, sometimes the lamppost decides to also start, you know, moving sideways and stuff. Um, I mean, uh, and then, yeah, I don't know. I'm not always like precise, but because that is very far away, you won't really notice. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> that, yeah, you won't really notice that there's a little bit of a wobbliness <laughs> going on there. It's well, it's actually amazing. You know, we, uh, Photoshop and things like Touch Retouch and um, get they, they've gained a kind of bad reputation in some ways. For where that's if something looks doctored, that's the first thing someone says is oh, it's Photoshop. But the fact is that before we had a digital means to retouch any of this stuff, that was still going on. People were painting negatives or painting the the prints themselves uh, my, I had a family friend uh, was my my uh, friend of my parents when I was growing up and her job she was a retoucher she retouched negatives under a microscope with these tiniest little brushes you've ever seen and she was amazing at it um, and that stuff's been going on almost as long as photography has been around even if it was sometimes adding a little bit of contrast to an image or painting something out it's not a new thing uh, and and considering that this is 
this is artistic photography. You're aiming to to realize your vision. I think it's okay. It's very different from uh, I think documentary photography. If you're trying to uh, represent something for, especially for the news, then that gets into kind of a, a sketchy territory a little bit. But for this, the, um, there's no reason to not do that, especially when it's that easy. Uh, I mean, ultimately, for me, the when I watch your editing process, the the biggest takeaway for me is that light in in various forms. Uh, and the things that are happening within it is what captures you. And when you edit, you don't try to take it very far away from, from what it was, yeah. from what you got. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of a very, it shows a lot of restraint, especially for someone who's only recently discovered photography, really. There, there are people I know who've been shooting for 10 years or more who haven't discovered restraint. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and that's, I mean, I think that's even more impressive as well. You've come to that. Probably as a as a combination, I'm sure of people you've met and talked with, as well as just deciding what kind of photographer you want to be. But it shows that that you're able to achieve a lot with with very little in the way of post production work, which is impressive. Yeah, I mean, for like friends or you know friends that I have or people that have known me a bit longer than you know Instagram, you'd kn they'd know that when I started taking pictures in my early days, I used to go crazy when it came to editing you know i'd add things that weren't there put some birds there put some planes there uh make the colors crazy and you know through through naturally getting um feedback from your friends who keep it very very real with you uh you start to understand that that's not really the way to continue <laughs> um so yeah uh, you know within time and you know people's work that i see that i'm inspired by you know a lot of people who are in here who i follow you know what they do uh had just allowed me to kind of fine tune and yeah, just get because I still don't feel like I'm at where I want to be with my work, but you know it's better than it was a year ago. So yeah, that's Impressive. good, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, thanks, Emmanuel, and uh, let's let's dive into some questions. Uh, we do have microphones floating around, so if you have a question, just because this is all being recorded, do raise your hand and wait for the microphone to get to you before you ask the question. Uh, and with that, let's open it up. Hello. Hi. Hi, um, you seem to have obviously an amazing eye for cinematic photography. Do you think you'll ever venture into film or video? Um, That's a good question. Um, it's funny because I was having a conversation with uh, my friend earlier on today about film. And I'm quite a strange human being, I believe. I don't even, I don't, you know when uh, you're having conversations with people and they're like, oh, have you seen this film? I'm that guy to always go. Yeah, I think I've heard of it, but I definitely haven't because I don't watch films. Um, but somehow I, I mean, I'm very interested in bringing that, f you know, cinematic element to my photography. So it's, it's all strange. Um, I doubt I'd ever, ever, ever get into video. I don't know. I just don't want to get distracted from taking stills. It's, it's like I love it so much. Maybe one day, who knows? Next question. Uh, you sir in the back. Hi. Um, I noticed from the screenshot of your Instagram profile that you've only posted about a thousand photos. I mean, how frequently do you post? How, do you have to use more restraint to not post too frequently, or? Um, I don't know. Like there were the there were the I can't lie. Like there was a point in time where I decided to go through a lot of my images and chop them. Like I probably would have had about one thousand six or seven hundred if it was real. If um. If that wasn't the, if that wasn't the case, um, but I don't know. I just I guess after a while you kind of realize that 
maybe a lot of people are looking at your work and stuff and I just wanted the images that were there to be images that I, I was happy to have 56,000 people looking at. Um, so, yeah, uh, but I, 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 I post a lot because I, I take a lot of pictures. So I was going through periods of maybe putting up two, three images a day. Now I tend to keep it one a day, something like that. Who's up next? Don't be shy. Front row. Uh, this is a... You've placed a plant in the audience, Manuel. No, no, no. I'm actually going to set him up. <laughs> 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 Here's the curveball. So um, you said earlier that, that in photography, not knowing exactly how to handle a camera, what was more practical was to have that, that iPhone with you initially. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that's one of the things that have enabled you to get the skill sets that you now have today to enable to push the limits in the, the more technical sides? So wow. it's sort of like a doorway to getting you there or where you are now today? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, like, I, I, I had, you know, after I got the iPhone and everything, I was then given a camera by my uncle um, and, you know, a, a DSLR, which I didn't use for a long time, just had it sat there. Um, but through using my phone so much, you know, learning how to, underexposed or how to achieve the effect of underexposing which once you understand how to do an SLR it's, it's, it's a very powerful tool or um, you know I was I then yeah I've, I've basically answering your question I've transferred almost everything I learned from the iPhone and my almost my 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 overall shooting style with the iPhone has completely um, gone straight into how I compose um, and everything uh, with with the SLR so you know yeah, pretty much everything. I have to thank the iPhone big time for that. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> you sir, in the front row. Hi. Um, how is, what top three ways has um, your love for photography changed your life? Um, Good question. First of all, ooh. How has it changed my life? It's it's allowed me to um, to meet new people, like from a different, you know. I, I mean, you said you you know you said photography. When I say meet new people, yeah, photography has allowed me to meet new people, but mainly you know Instagram has allowed me to connect with so many d different people, um, and you know that's invaluable to me now. Um, but. I don't know, you know, like, it's just, an, it's everything I do now, you know. I remember once upon a time speaking to my flatmate who is like, he's literally like my mental coach. Without him, I'd go crazy, you know. We have so many conversations and he's not even into photography yet. He, he tolerates, you know, me talking about photography all the time. And a year or two ago, he said to me, the moment you realize you're really into photography is when you'd literally go to take a picture of, you know, almost almost anything, you know. But, for example, you know, taking a picture of what you had for breakfast and stuff like that. And that's not the type of photographer I am, but it makes sense because my camera's always strapped to my side. I, I don't mess around. Like, it's, it has to be by my side because I, don't, I never know when that moment's going to come. Even if I go to a party, you know, like, I, I'm bringing my camera. Um, so, yeah, um, it's changed my life because it's now, like, it's, it's in everything I do. And it, I mean, if we're looking for a third way, I mean, you, it's, it's also changed your your work situation. 
Yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah. I which mean, is pretty huge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I don't mean showing up late all the time. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, what Dan means by that is um, I mentioned kind of when I was taking those foggy pictures doing it before work, but about four months ago when I got back from my trip to New York, I decided to kind of go freelance and give this a go, a good go. And, you know, it hasn't been the easiest of things. Like, I'd be lying if I said, wow, it's been amazing. Like, very, very, you know, I've come very, very low. It's come back up a little bit. It's still kind of a little bit low. But, hey, um, I'm having more fun than I've ever had at any other moment in my life. So it's got to be right. <laughs> Brilliant. Good. We, have, uh, we have time for one more question. Hey. <laughs> okay, wow. yeah, um, this looks amazing. I'm really impressed with your work. And yeah, 56,000, well done. <laughs> um, now, how long did it take you to decide to become a freelancer? And when did you decide to commercialize your work? And why? When did I decide to commercialize my work? Um, ooh, um, basically, it's... It, it was something you know i'd need i've needed to really become a free freelance freelance photographer for a long time you know it's something that i probably should have made the decision to do like a year ago or something but i just really really didn't have the courage to understand or visualize how i was going to be able to make to have some sort of financial stability doing that you know living paying rent eating those sort of things um but uh after my trip to New York, the the first time I went to New York three months ago, uh, it, it changed a lot in my, my way of thinking and the way I kind of see life. You know, I know a lot of people travel to New York and never return, you know. It's, it's that kind of a city. It's a powerful place. It's, you know, you're inspired there. People stay there and never come back. Uh, I, I definitely knew that I didn't want to stay there. You know, it's not where I call home. Home is London, but it made me come back to London and really want to change my life, you know, and um, search for what it was that I really wanted. And I think maybe a week after that, I decided to kind of leave my job and pursue this. Um, I hope that answered your question. I'm not sure if you had anything else. Yeah? Cool. Excellent. Well, uh, a big round of applause again for Emmanuel Cole, everyone. Thank you. And... Thanks again for all of you for coming out and uh, supporting this series once again. Uh, our next event is uh, coming up in just a, a few weeks' time, later this month, actually. Uh, so you don't have to wait as long for, uh, for the next talk. Um, and uh, uh, also, I'd just like to thank uh, Apple for continuing to host this event and share it with all of you here, as well as with the broader uh, community of people listening on the podcast so um, if you're listening out there do check out the other episodes thanks again very much hope to see you all here uh, at the next event thanks